Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, August 1st, 2021, we conclude our series titled Afterlife. Today's sermon, Assurance, will be taught to us by Pastor Jay Branson. Enjoy. Week one, we discussed what happens after we die. Is there, in fact, life after death? Pastor Brendan Anderson shared that we have an existence beyond the physical here and now and that everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Our challenge is to live our lives in the here and now with our minds and hearts on the eternal kingdom of God. Week two, we discussed what is it like in heaven. And Pastor Ed Lutz took us on a tour of heaven. We discuss what we hear people say about heaven from personal experiences to culture and how we can respond to those with a biblical response. The main idea was that when we die, we are present with the Lord, but our eternal home is the future new heavens and new earth. Ultimately, we were challenged with the question, do we know with certainty that our home is in heaven and that our name is written in the book of life? Week three, we discuss what does the Bible say about hell? Pastor Joe and Franco provided insight to the difficult question, how can a God of love send people to hell? We discussed that hell is an actual place. It was created for Satan and fallen angels and can really only be understood by knowing the true biblical character of God. Christ satisfied the wrath of God that was due unto you and to me to keep us out of hell including paying the price for our sins. Ultimately, we learn that the really difficult question is, how can anyone reject the mercy of a loving God? We know that everyone goes somewhere forever. So what does this mean for us? How does this truth impact us? I have three main points to guide our discussion this morning as we conclude our series on the afterlife. Number one, acceptance of the reality. There is one way to eternal life with God. Number two, acceptance of the gift, salvation by means of Christ. And number three, assurance of salvation. God will never let us go. Before we dive in, let's bow our heads and pray. God, we give you thanks. God, we thank you that we can gather as a church body to dive into your word, to live a life for you. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would soften our hearts, open our eyes and our ears to the truth of your word. God, we desire to live our lives dependent upon you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first point we have is acceptance of the reality. There is one way to eternal life with God. The world that we live in today and their thoughts and beliefs can almost be compared to a hiking trail. Think about it this way. If you were going to hike the Grand Canyon, there are so many different trails. You have South Kaibab, you have North Kaibab, you can hike rim to rim, you have Bright Angel, all the crazy, terrible switchbacks, and more, with different difficulty levels to help you reach your destination. And our world says it doesn't matter which trail you take, pick your favorite one and work hard and you will be sure to get to your destination. Universalism is common in our day-to-day life. 
Universalism teaches that everyone is eventually saved and reconciled to God and that no one is lost. We hear its untruths all the time. Like if I am just a good person, I will be deserving of heaven. Or I got good grades, led a healthy, successful life, I took care of my family, I must be deserving of heaven. Or all religions must be right so whoever believes in whatever will work for them. Or everyone creates their own destiny and everyone goes to heaven of some sort, it doesn't really matter. Sadly, this is how many people view God, heaven, and eternity. There's a lot of people out there of different faiths who are very sincere about their faith, but they are sincerely wrong. Many people will dedicate their entire lives to show up on your doorstep to share a lie. What's amazing about that is most Christians won't go door to door to share the truth. Sincerity of the belief doesn't validate the belief itself, but the word of God alone does. So what does Jesus say? In Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 through 14, he says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So how narrow is this road? This is how narrow the road is. God gave us scripture to reveal his heart to humanity and his plan to redeem us. And how small is the gate? Through Christ and Christ alone. John chapter 14, verse six says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I will often ask students when we look at a verse like this, what do you think the no one means? That's typically the response to you. No one. <laughs> Right, absolutely no one, not one person will enter the kingdom of heaven except through faith in Christ. It genuinely means no one. Jesus says there's only one way, one trail that leads to an eternity in heaven, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other route. Jesus is entirely exclusive on the means by which we spend an eternity with him, yet the invite is open to everyone. You may be thinking, okay, this makes sense for us now, but what about the people before Jesus? What about the people in the Old Testament? Pastor and author Stephen Lawson says it this way. There is only one way of salvation. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. There is not one way to be saved in the Old Testament and a different way to be saved in the New Testament. That would be two different gospels. There wasn't one way for the Jew to be saved and now a different way for the Gentile to be saved. That would be two roads to heaven. There's only one road to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. People have always been saved by faith. Habakkuk 2.4 tells us that the righteous shall live by faith. In the Old Testament, they looked ahead and had faith in the Messiah to come, Jesus Christ. 
Very similar to today, we look back on what Jesus has done on the cross and we place our faith in him. In the Old Testament, they were saved by faith in the means to come. And today we are saved by faith in the means that came, Christ the Messiah. In Romans chapter four, verse three, the apostle Paul quotes Genesis 15, six. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. We have been and always will be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We know that everyone goes somewhere forever, so how does this truth impact us? We must accept the reality there is one way to eternal life with God, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. This leads into our second point, acceptance of the gift, salvation by means of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we know that Jesus is the one and only way to eternal life with God, so where does this leave us? In need of a savior. Romans chapter six, verse 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. The consequence, the punishment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The sin that we have separates us from a perfect and holy God. God cannot be in the presence of our sin. So how is this remedied? By the Redeemer that Christ in his perfect righteousness would clothe us. We can receive eternal life as a free gift from God. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine emphasize that it is a free gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. The gift of God, it's not of your own doing. It's not of your own intellect or achievements. Salvation by means of Christ is a gift of God. Think about gifts, right? We love to receive gifts. I, in particular, really do love to receive gifts. They make us feel special. And we've all received a gift that is unforgettable, everything we wanted, top of our list, and is not something that we just kind of throw in the closet, store away in the garage, or ultimately donate to Goodwill. And I'll never forget, it was Christmas morning, my freshman year of high school, and I walk out there to the living room, and there by the tree, the bass guitar I'd been wanting so badly. There it was. It was number one on my list. That was everything that I wanted. And to be honest with you, I didn't think I would get it. I was so, so stoked on this gift. I coveted that bass guitar. My focal point was on the gift itself. The sacrifice my parents made to get me that gift really never even crossed my mind. I was just excited to have gotten what I wanted. Now that I am married and have a child on the way, what I see now more than anything is the sacrifice I know my parents had to make to get me that gift. Raising three kids, living on a tight budget, they really sacrificed to get me that gift. We tend to do this in our relationship with Christ. We become so focused on getting into heaven that we often neglect to appreciate the true gift that Christ died the death that you and I deserve. Salvation is what everyone desires, right? If I were to ask for a show of hands of who wants to go to heaven, we would all be like, yes, sign me up. 
But if I were to ask for a show of hands of who wants to die, we'd all be like, oh, I don't know if I should raise my hand. It may be in the world that we live in today, but we shouldn't fear death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Everyone wants to go to heaven and sometimes that becomes the focal point. Just like what young boy doesn't want a new guitar? The problem with this illustration is that Romans 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 tell us that none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is our default disposition. We may want salvation, but on our own terms. We may want eternal life, but not at the cost of surrendering to a perfect and holy God. The reality is we contribute nothing to our salvation. The problem is I may want salvation, but I don't seek God. I don't want my father, but I want his stuff. There's no righteousness in me at all. But God so loved the world that he, God the Father, sacrificed his one and only son and his perfect righteousness so that if I accept the gift that he has freely given, I can live eternally with him and never perish. This is the beauty. To accept a gift I will not ask for, given by a God, that sacrifices one and only son so that I may live, that's a gift. That is the gift. My bass guitar was about me and my performance, not the sacrifice of my parents who gave it to me. Without the salvation, without Christ, no glory goes back to the Father. If my salvation rests upon myself, my reputation, my approval, and my works, I would not be living my life to the glory of the giver, but to the glory of self. When we embrace that gift, salvation by means of Christ, salvation by what Christ did, not what we do, we are changed from the inside out. We don't just receive the gift for eternal assurance. Church, I want to be clear on this. The object of our faith is not heaven, but Christ and Christ alone. So the question is, are you going to leave the gift unopened? Are you going to open up the gift and then kind of throw it to the side? Are you going to use the gift for a season and then store it away in the closet? Or are you going to embrace the gift and use it in all of its resources to the glory of the giver? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. When you embrace the gift of God, salvation by means of Christ, you become changed from the inside out. You can live your life with purpose for God. You can find freedom in Christ. When I was in high school, I went through a very difficult time. I got caught up with the wrong crowds, ended up getting into drugs. I had this void in my life and I tried to fill it with worldly pleasures. Ultimately, my relationships with my family started to deteriorate, deteriorate. with my friends they started to. 
And I made this, the decision, you know what, I'm gonna drop out of high school, I'm gonna do my own thing, I'm gonna pursue music. My life was not good at this time. And I remember there was this guy, he reached out to me over Facebook. And he said, hey, we've heard that you play guitar, we would love to have you come and play for our worship night. And I responded to him, I said, sorry, church is not my thing, I appreciate it though. Throughout the next couple of weeks, I was working on a project with some friends and we actually split up, our project ended. And I was thinking, okay, well, I have nothing to live for, so maybe I'll reach back out to him and I'll go and maybe there's some other musicians there that I can connect with and start a new project with. And so I got back to him and I said, hey, do you still need me? He said, yes, here are the times, we'd love to see you there, here's all the info you need. Just like, okay, great. That night of the worship night changed my life forever. Through the reading of scripture, the Holy Spirit came into my life and regenerated me and gave me faith in Christ. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. This was a crossroads in my life and I was free. I found purpose. I immediately got plugged into the church. Two weeks after I was baptized, I was in the word. God was doing things in my life. I was changed from the inside out. I remember coming to God and being like, Lord, I literally have nothing. God, I don't even have my high school diploma. So God, my life is a blank canvas for your glory. I decided I'm gonna live my life to the glory of the giver, not to the glory of self. And so I ended up feeling this call from scripture and, and what God is saying to ministry. And so I got my GED, I met my future wife, I went to community college, I went to university to study theology. God brought me to this incredible church family of Highlands where I have the honor of teaching and discipling your students. Ultimately up here today sharing with you the truth of the word. The old has passed, the new has come. To the glory of the giver, you can find purpose and freedom in Christ. And we may think, okay, well when I embrace this gift and now that I'm a Christian, will I ever sin again? Yes, unfortunately you will. We live in a fallen world and we battle our flesh. In Romans 7, verses 18 through 19, it says this, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This defines me. I desire to live a faithful life to Christ, but sometimes I mess up. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. In our flesh, we are drawn to sin, and sometimes we end up doing the very things that we hate. Thankfully, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we walk by the Spirit, we have strength, thanks to God, to not gratify the desires of the flesh. But it can be easy to feel lost after we sin. It's happened to all of us, right? We, okay, I, I've placed my faith in Christ, but there's those thoughts in the back. Man, you did that, you messed up. Are you really saved? We may think, okay, do I need to accept Jesus all over again? If I sin, do I lose my salvation? Now that I have this salvation, is there anything I could do to lose it? 
This leads into our third point. The assurance of salvation. God will never let us go. Assurance is something we constantly seek. This past year, assurance looked like stocking up on a whole lot of toilet paper. Many of us this summer, we've taken road trips to California, and before we go, we get our tires rotated, oil changed, so we make sure that we don't break down in the middle of Blythe. We are assurance-seeking creatures. In a relationship, we desire assurance by having a ring on our finger. When we are facing medical complications, we seek the assurance of well-trained doctors and specialists to assure we're well taken care of. We seek assurance for our family so we buy life insurance, add to savings accounts and retirement accounts to gain the sense of financial assurance. Do we have assurance of our salvation in Christ? The assurance that we need the most is the assurance of our salvation. If you haven't felt the looming reality yet throughout the series that this life is not forever, yes, you are going to die one day, and you will go somewhere forever, either heaven with Christ or hell, I can't begin to express the urgency enough. Jesus himself even did. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The son of God makes it clear that time is of the essence. We must repent and walk with God because the kingdom of God is at hand. Week one, Pastor Brendan Anderson used a rope to illustrate the time we have here on earth compared to the time we have in eternity. This life and all the worldly things in it are simply that red tape on the rope. The rest of the rope represents eternity. We are here one day and gone the next. I don't know about you, but I want the assurance of where I will be going forever. Sometimes we question, now that I have this salvation, is there anything I could do to lose it? If salvation is a free gift from God and I have done nothing to earn it, why do I think I could do something to lose it? The assurance of our salvation rests on Christ's work alone and the absolute objective truth of God's word. This is a relief because we can have 100% confidence in the assurance of our salvation based on what God says, not on our personal achievements, not on our intellect, and not by our own doing. John chapter 10, verses 28 through 29, it says this. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. What a beautiful truth. If we are in Christ's hand secured, nothing can snatch us out of his hand. Not only are we in Christ's hand secured, but the Father's as well. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has assured us he will never let us go. Thankfully, this is not dependent upon you and I and anything we do. It is exclusively dependent on God and his promises. Your salvation is in the hands of God. If we were to look at some of the other worldviews in our culture, they would suggest that our eternal assurance is dependent on the work that we do to get it and maintain it. All other religions are about man reaching and working his way to God, where true biblical Christianity is all about God coming down to save man. 
Philippians 1.6 reminds us that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Not only did he start it by giving you that free gift, but he will complete it. In Romans chapter eight, verses 38 through 39, we find great encouragement. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. Our God is a faithful God, and he always comes through on his promises. If your faith is in Christ, you are secure. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. God is a faithful God. You must have faith. Maybe you're going through a difficult season of life. Maybe you've recently lost your job. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe you were in a relationship that has recently come to an end. Maybe you feel as if God has abandoned you. Maybe you're struggling with the fact that one of your children may not be walking with the Lord. We cannot forget the prodigal son and that the father's arms are open wide. We can lean on the comfort of God's word and his promises. In any relationship, you have the relationship and the fellowship. In my marriage, the status of my relationship doesn't change. I am married. However, the fellowship within the relationship of that marriage can go through ups and downs. The same is true with God. The status of our relationship with God doesn't change. We are saved and secure. However, we do go through seasons of life where our fellowship with our creator goes through ups and downs, We feel distant. We don't feel connected. And sometimes it's our own feelings that deceive us. We're reminded in Jeremiah 17, 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's why we go to the word of God to find encouragement. We must come back to the comfort of God's word and renew our minds through the reading of the word to be reminded of his faithfulness and his goodness. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's easy to get off track. It's easy to get in doubt. So what is the renewal of your mind? Getting in the word. Church, God gave us his word to provide comfort, encouragement, because when we are going through a difficult season of life, we're carried through it. God is right next to you. It is only in God's word that we find nourishment for our souls, encouragement for our lives, and a peace that surpasses all understanding. We know that everyone goes somewhere forever, so how does this truth impact us? we must accept the reality that there is only one way to eternal life with God, that is through faith in Christ. Number two, we must accept the free gift of God, salvation by means of Christ, because then we're clothed in his righteousness. And when we do, we can have the assurance of our salvation 
that God will never let us go. When we live our lives to the glory of God, to the glory of the giver, it's nothing short of fulfilling. We can be saved and secure in Christ. Before Jesus saved me, I never thought living a life in obedience to him would have purpose, would be such a fulfillment. I never would have thought. You can experience freedom in Christ as well. The Romans wrote as a series of verses from the book of Romans that lays out the good news of the gospel. The Romans road takes us through the sobering framework of who we are, who God is, and how we respond. In Romans 3.23, we know that all have sinned. And due to sin, we have been separated from God. In Romans 6.23, we know that death is the punishment for sin. Right? We know all have sinned, and death is that punishment. We must accept the free gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Romans 5.8, we know that God is a God of love. And through the perfect and complete work of Christ, we can be reconciled with our creator. In Romans 10, verses nine through 10, we know that saving faith is a deep inward trust in Jesus and confessing with our mouths gives outward evidence of that inward trust. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We have the Romans road on these cards here out at Info Central in the lobby. These are awesome. I would encourage you, grab one, use it as a bookmark, put it in your wallet, give it to a friend or a family member, and renew your mind each and every day that God is king and that faith is through Christ alone and we are in desperate need of him. Are you ready to respond in faith and call upon the name of the Lord? Are you ready to step off the throne of your life and recognize that God's ways are higher than your own? Want to know what the result of your faith is if you do that? Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you place your faith in Christ, you are clothed in his righteousness, and when you stand before God, you will not be condemned. If you are ready to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, let's do that this morning. And you can begin your walk with Christ today. I'm gonna pray a prayer and I would encourage you, if that's you this morning, pray this prayer with me silently. And I wanna be clear, this prayer does not save you. This prayer is not what saves you. What saves you is your faith in Jesus Christ and that he died the death that you deserve and that you are clothed in his righteousness. This prayer is simply coming to God humble and broken, recognizing you are in need of his grace. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I know that I have sinned against you and I am desperately in need of your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in you, I can be forgiven. Lord, with your help, I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for the gift of eternal life. May I live my life to the glory of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family. We wanna know if you did make that decision and so you can fill out the connect card in the seat back in front of you. Let us know out at Info Central and after service we'll have some pastors right here. We don't just want to know to know, we wanna know so we can pray for you, pray with you and give you resources and help you take your next step. You are not alone in this Christian life in your walk with God. You have a family that is here to support you. This morning, we're gonna take communion. When we take communion, we reflect upon the promises of God and the once and for all sacrifice that Jesus made for us. When you walked in, we had the communion elements available um, by the doors in the back. If you didn't receive one, do you mind just slipping your hand up? No shame, I forget mine all the time, to be honest. We wanna be sure that we can get those to you. Communion is a reminder for us as believers that we belong to Jesus and for us to remember the ultimate sacrifice that he made on the cross. It really is a celebration of Christ's sacrificial death. When we break the bread, we reflect on how Christ's body was broken for us on the cross. When we drink from the cup, we reflect on the blood Christ shed for us that covers all of our sins. Jesus' body was broken and he poured himself out for us so that if we place our faith in him, we can have a relationship with him forever. We can know where we are going when we leave this life. Communion is exclusively for those who have placed their faith in Christ. Trust him as their redeemer and believe that he is Lord of all. If you have not placed your faith in Christ, please refrain from taking the elements. On the cup, you have the cracker on the bottom and the juice on top. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26 say this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after sup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you that you died the death that we deserve. God, we thank you that we can be forgiven for our sin. God, we thank you that not only are we forgiven, but we can live a life of purpose when we live for you. God, help us live a life of obedience to you. God, help us live our lives dependent upon you. God, may we be reminded of your goodness and your mercy each and every day. God, we pray that we would be in your word each and every day. God, we thank you for the church body that's a support system for us as believers that we don't have to walk alone. God, we know that what you did is how we can spend eternity with you. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your precious name we pray.
Amen. Highlands, if your faith is in Christ, you are secure. You can have the assurance of your salvation. Don't take this lightly. Don't forget the heart of the giver. And may we seek truth from scripture alone, be reminded salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, all to the glory of God alone. God bless Highlands. Thank you.